Today's reading is taken from the book of John, chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jake was well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it, and who it is that asks you for a, a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the will and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, What do you want? Or, Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the must came out of the town and made their way toward him? We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Okay, well, good morning. 
Um, I think for the observant, there might have been a slightly random verse at the very end of that reading, <laughs> which didn't necessarily fit in. So thanks for dealing with that nicely. We're, we'll, we're going to stop at 30. Um, but we're looking at this passage in um, John's Gospel. And do you know that my, um, my kids would be very excited about this passage because in this passage is the backdrop for one of their best Bible jokes, okay? And so I'm going to tell you a few to get you warmed up. Um, so first, did you know when tennis was first mentioned in the Bible? Tennis when it was when Joseph served in the courts of Pharaoh. Okay, it's a bad one to get going. Did you know how Moses makes his coffee? He brews it. What about the greatest money man in the Bible? Well, that was Noah, because he was floating stock while everyone else was in liquidation. I like that one. What about the smartest man in the Bible? Well, that smartest man, Abraham, because he knew a lot. Or the largest woman in the Bible? Largest woman, Faith, because she can move a mountain. And then, okay, I'm there now, finally. Uh, the one that my kids like best is, who was the second largest woman in the Bible? And that was the woman of Samaria. And that is who we're looking at this morning. The woman and Jesus' encounter with the woman of Samaria. But I promise I'm done with my jokes now, okay? That was just the start. And so it would be good if you could keep your Bible open. Uh, you can follow along in your service sheet as well. And uh, shall I pray before we begin? Dear God, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for um, this picture we have of this and, and the living water which he brings. And I pray you'd help us now as we uh, look at your word and see how it applies to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1965, the Rolling Stones released a song which I'm sure many of you recognize. It went to number one in the U.S. and also in Canada. And the lyrics go, I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I try. I can't get no. I can't get no. And I think they're quite telling words that um, they've echoed down through the decades because each subsequent generation as it comes along, um, they're looking for that thing, that satisfaction, that um, for, you know, what is my life about how do I get that satisfaction? Um, the dictionary defines satisfaction as that fulfillment of one's wishes, one's expected needs, or the pleasure derived from that fulfillment, satisfaction. And today that um, search, I think, takes many different guises. So maybe for some it's, um, it's sport or fitness or, or, or those types of things, trying to get to the next level and be satisfied. Um, for some of it, it's maybe career or promotion. In 1928, a group of the world's most successful financiers met at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. And the following present, you had the president of the largest utility company, the, the greatest wheat speculator at the time, the president of the New York Stock Exchange. There was a member of the president's cabinet. There was the greatest bear in Wall Street, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, the head of the world's greatest monopoly. Collectively, all these tycoons controlled more wealth than was in the U.S. Treasury at the time. And for years, newspapers have been printing profiles and biographies and stories about these men. And they've been saying to the youth of the nation, this is what you need to aspire to. These are great 
examples. They've made it. That was 1928. 25 years later, this is what happened to those same men. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, he lived and borrowed money for the last five years of his life, and he died broke. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cutton, died abroad in Salt. The president of the term in Sing Sing Prison. The member of the president's cabinet, Albert Fall, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. The greatest bear in Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, committed suicide. The president of the Bank of International Settlements, Leon Fraser, committed suicide. And the head of the world's greatest monopoly at the time, Ivor Druger, also committed suicide. You see, you'd think money, faith, status, it would provide that kind of satisfaction and happiness. But the truth is, it's often pretty elusive. For some money status people know or realize that, but but maybe then relationships is the thing that we look for for satisfaction. And that's the one we see in this passage that Jesus deals with uh, as we look at this woman who counters. But, but that relationship drive might be a mother and a child, might be um, a father and a child, might be a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a husband and a wife. And very common today says, if I can just find that one person, that one partner who can make me complete, then I'll have fulfillment and satisfaction. It's really quite... The eyes that over coffee look so sweet may not look so tender over shredded wheat. (laughs) And the heart of the problem is this kind of expectation versus reality. And that's the danger when when we expect so much from relationships so that we think that they will complete us. Because we bring these kind of expectations as to what it's going to provide for us. And in particular, I think for marriage, that is potentially dangerous because so often we expect the other person to be everything we need. And we put this car that isn't fairly on them and they don't live up to it. And we often feel then empty and unfulfilled and at worst unhappy and restless in that. Now, I understand to work at them, but put all your hopes and dreams on that picture and you'll have disappointment ahead. And this is what the woman in this passage found. She was looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And we see as she meets Jesus that true satisfaction isn't in an earthly relationship. And that's a great news for us and for everyone that the search, that search for satisfaction is over because in the Bible we read about where we can find that. And if we put our trust in Jesus, followers, we need not look any further, which is great stuff. But let's look at the passage. There's two things I just want to tell you um, about this true satisfaction, just to explore it a bit more. And the feats, the Samaritan woman. Now, you might not realize this, but, but this meeting was, was actually a pretty um, shocking and scandalous encounter of what was normal and acceptable at that time. And there are three reasons why it would have been out of the ordinary. So the first is that the smart woman was a woman. Clever. Yeah, I figured that out. And a woman in Jewish culture um, had a very different status to, thankfully, what it is today. And we were moving much more to quality. But, but in those days, a woman, even wives, weren't to be spoken to in public. And so Jesus, striking up a conversation with this woman at the well, was very against 
um, what the cultural norm was. That's one. Secondly, equally as insightful, the smart woman was a Samaritan. And uh, verse 9, we get this, you think about the time. It says in brackets, just as an aside, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The truth is that Jews despised Samaritans. To them, Samaritan was like a swear word in their language. And so for Jesus to enter Samaria and then to speak to the Samaritan woman by the well would have been shocking at the time. But then lastly, the Samaritan woman was a sinner. And again, verse 6 gives us a clue to this um, when it says that it was about noon. It's a very trivial little like line or little fact, but it tells us a lot because the woman really didn't want to meet anybody because the time you go to the well was early in the morning or late in the evening because it, you know, it took time to collect your water. But for this woman, she was going in the heat of the day, the hottest time at noon because she wanted to avoid meeting. Be strong because today we have cultural and social norms. We have people who, who actually um, we might give a wide berth. We have areas like Samaria that we might not go into, different for all of us. But the challenge is here that Jesus set those aside and challenged them. And he went and he spoke and he explained the good news to this lady. And what John tells this story, John 4, just after he's told another encounter in John 3. And in John 3, um, we have a man called Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he was a very important, well-respected man. He was moral and upstanding and the type of man that you'd think Jesus would deal with for him. And then in the encounter here, we meet the Samaritan woman who was the opposite. She was very unimportant. She wasn't respected. She was immoral and name for her. You see, God wants this relationship with everyone, a relationship that will bring true satisfaction. And if you think, again, if you think about the scale of Nicodemus standing, doing all the right things, and the Samaritan woman, not well respected, not doing the right things, Jesus loved and wants to know both of them. And for you, you might be somewhere in that scale, the other end or somewhere in the middle, but God cares about you, and he wants you to experience um, true satisfaction, and me as well. But I think at 16, we see Jesus asks her a really simple, direct statement. He says, um, or he, he told her, go call your husband and come back. And you could see clearly, this is an husband's and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And, and in that statement, he says it not with condemnation, but with a sense of conviction you know, he, he says to her that he, he cares about the sin. It's not that it just doesn't matter. And it's important that she came to terms with it and realized that it wasn't the way things should have been. But there was hope in that and not condemnation. I remember playing hide-and-seek uh, with our children. And uh, when they were young, it's a very typical toddler thing, right? And so you say, right, I'll count. You go and hide. And really, they're not very good at the game um, and so you'll be counting, one, two, and then you say, here I come, ready or not, and you see them, you know, hiding behind their hands or hiding behind a bush with their legs clearly in sight because they think, you know, I can't see Dad, so clearly Dad can't see me, right? That's logical. 
And sometimes I think for us, we're like that. You know, we run off. We uh, don't talk about things. We don't um, say what's really going on in our hearts and our minds. And we think, well, you know, nobody will see. Nobody will know. God won't know. But God does. And he, he does not to... He doesn't want to condemn us, but he wants to convict us so that we realize what we're doing isn't ideal. And he wants then, like the woman in the story, us to respond by saying, how do I get right with you? How do I have a relationship with God is what brings true satisfaction. So that's the first thing we see, that this satisfaction is for everyone. And secondly, it's forever. And so if you look in verse, again, the earlier discussion between them. Jesus asked for a drink. The woman at the well says, really? You're asking me for all the reasons we've just discussed? And then Jesus replies in verse 10. He says, if you knew living water, which is a really profound statement Jesus said, but the woman's not quite there yet. And so she, still thinking about physical running water, says, well, where'd I get this water that never... Verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, the physical water, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a swelling up to eternal life. We probably have lost a little of the wonder of what water is, but in Middle Eastern culture, like water was a valuable, valuable resource. Now, if you imagine a hot day and you've gone for a walk or a bike ride or a run and you've forgotten to take any water with you, and you kind of come back or you make a test shop and you're parched and you're just desperate for a drink, and you get a nice cold bottle of water from a fridge or you buy it at a shop and then you take that first drink. And do you know how satisfying and how refreshing it is? And that's physical satisfaction that comes from physical water. But the picture Jesus offers is spiritual satisfaction of that fulfillment of realizing what we're here for, uh, satisfaction. And so Jesus brings this true satisfaction for everyone, no matter what we've done forever, and, and it's not the thing to be naming for, or in a job as you get the promotion you've been looking for, or in a relationship as you meet your Mr. or Mrs. Wright, or whatever that might be, it's, it's, that is satisfying in a sense, but not true satisfaction that endures forever, that is available for everyone. And so let's invest in our relationship with God. Like, let's be balloons in that analogy, where we fill ourselves up, we work at our relationship with God, you know, and through Bible readings or through our home groups or ladies' coffee mornings or whatever that thing is, don't know about Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. But we can see in this passage that we can get satisfaction through Jesus. Around.